Hey everybody, welcome back to Review-A-Mania. My name is Rob. And I'm Zach. And this week, we are talking Dark Side of the Ring, a documentary series on Vice. And, uh, looks at the bad parts of professional wrestling. Uh, incidents, people, uh, just... Not, not not the good parts of wrestling, but honestly, yeah. probably some of the most interesting parts of professional wrestling. What happens outside the ring, typically? Definitely, definitely, I would agree with that. I like uh, basically binged the entire series yesterday. Yes, I was like this is so good. Yes. Yeah, so, can you kind of explain the show for people who haven't watched it, and then we'll kind of go into each. I don't know how you want to do sure. this. I guess. I'll let you lead it. Yeah. Okay, um, so Vice, I guess we should go into what Vice is a little bit, too. Oh, go for so, it. Uh, Vice is, like a, is a media company that specializes in documentaries um, and kind of weird culture. So professional wrestling is probably, like, a, was a good fit for them. Like, they do a lot of documentaries about drug use and what that does to people and all sorts of things. Um, and uh, some of their founders are kind of weird people, but we won't necessarily get into that. Um, but every episode of the dark side of the ring basically takes one story um, and goes through it in about an hour during the first season. And then in the second season, which is kind of the, what caused Rob and I to want to do this episode, uh, they did a two-part documentary on the Benoit tragedy. Yes. And um, so maybe what we should do first is kind of go through some of the stuff that they covered in the f season one and yeah. then spend the majority of the time going through uh, the first two uh, episodes of season two. Yeah. So before okay. we before we do that too, real quick... Uh, Vice has another series called The Wrestler. Mm. Have you heard of that? No, I hadn't heard of that. Okay. So they look at things like wrestling in uh, Africa or deathmatch wrestling. They have a whole series on them going to a CZW Term of Death show and getting backstage access. And Oh, was the, was the person that they covered in Africa Power Udi? I, maybe I haven't. Honestly, I never really watched them. I have them. I just never really watched them. Oh, because Superpower Udi is a is an interesting character. Um, Luke Gallows has a lot of stories about him. Huh. Well, there you go. So, all right. Dark Side of the Ring. Season one. Uh, touches on quite a few things. Yeah, it does. Like. Well, I, I want to say that, like, the first two episodes were significant. Like, the first two and the last one were significantly different than the middle three. Because the first one was all about Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man. Yeah, and that was kind of a interesting opener. And it, I, I remember watching the episode and just remembering, like, it, it seemed like Macho Man just, like, it was awesome to see them together and having a good time, but then like he got super paranoid and you know 
Yeah, but like they were talking about why he was like that, and I think that was an that was interesting because like the the thing about what caused the the rift between Macho Man and Elizabeth and what caused them to eventually get a divorce and for Elizabeth to ultimately end up with Lex Luger was that Randy wouldn't let her interact with any of the people unless it was like Linda Hogan because he didn't want her anywhere near the other wrestlers because at the time the other wrestlers like to play jokes on one another and sometimes those jokes were really cruel and he didn't want Elizabeth to get hurt or embarrassed yeah so like it it's kind of like okay I can understand mm-hmm. why he was he the like why he was acting that way did he act correctly and probably it could be argued that no he didn't but at the same time it's like uh his his actions are understandable relatable um, to a degree yes but he was also yeah. doing drugs and just there was instances of domestic abuse or domestic violence right which is he yeah well i well there was definitely the domestic abuse randy though randy didn't necessarily do wasn't necessarily a huge party or like a lot of those other guys were at the time from from what i remember from watching it yesterday i yeah they 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 seem to say that he was more of a guy who was like okay i'm done with my match Elizabeth and I are going to go back to our hotel room. Yeah. And that is when, so that initial rift though, led them to split up. But Randy always still loved Elizabeth. And so he like got her a contract for WCW and all this other stuff. And then uh, her downfall came when she started seeing Lex Luger, um, who the documentary kind of paints in like a really weird light because the person they talked to most about Lex Luger with, was Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff was like, I hate him, but now I really respect him. And it's like, well, okay, which one is it? Yeah. So... Um, what did you think of how they kind of stitched together the video? Like, so one of the unique things they do is they don't outright show things. Everything's kind of in a glimmer of light or blurred out. So they've got kind of stunt double people reenacting scenes, but, um, they don't show like faces, but then they also interstitch, especially like in the Benoit stuff, they would interstitch stuff from WWE. Or uh, yeah. New Japan, or wherever they needed the footage from, but it was just enough to say like, "Hey, we're not showing an, you know enough to get copyright strikes or get you know it's fair it's editorial use." Sure, I, I think they probably still had to pay some rights for for the Pro- footage probably. that they used, and I think that's probably why they do so much of the uh, stunt double with like the blur filter on. But I like it because it just gives it a different feel. Like so much, so many wrestling documentaries that are outside of the WWE because they own so much of the footage is all like people talking about certain things with yeah. either with with no images or, or a still photo with it panning or or yeah, still photo. Or my favorite is when they're talking about certain wrestlers and then they have completely different people on the screen. 
like they get like footage from some weird um some indie or whatever some indie promotion or some like hot shot thing that lasted two weeks that had a couple big names and it's just like well you know this this isn't really what you're talking about so um i think that it's probably the best way to handle what they're doing um and i i i like the i like the style i think it's engaging and i think the people that they get to talk are interesting like uh season one had a lot of scott hall and hearing scott hall talk is always interesting because he just has like this charisma about him that you just want to sit and listen to him talk um or when they got jake the snake as well another guy you just want to sit and listen and talk or hear talk because they just you just know that they have so many stories yeah although i did i did think it was weird because they had both scott hall and jake roberts there they didn't get ddp but maybe he was too busy doing yoga or something so what did you think overall like is there any takeaways that you learned from watching the first episode with macho man and elizabeth or did you feel it's kind of a lot of rehash of things you may have already known already heard um it was a lot of rehash of what i had already heard from various other mm-hmm. sources but the thing i like about it though is like um it's all right there like you can just say oh you, if somebody hears oh i heard about macho man and elizabeth and I want to know more about them, you can go, okay, watch this instead of, oh, listen to this interview on this podcast and then go see this RF video over here. Like, it's just like, you can go, you want the whole story? Sit and watch this. And, And that I think is really helpful because there's a lot of stories in wrestling that, um, are muddled or there's a lot of different versions of stories. And I think these documentaries do a good job of, taking all those different perspectives and stitching them together in a way that's digestible. Definitely. So like, I think probably Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, I think probably the one that did that the best in the first season was probably the last episode where they were talking about Moolah. Um, because this was right. The original series came out in 2017 and 2018. And so that was right as the... Uh, two, um, no, it was actually 2019. Oh, was? Okay. Yeah, it started on April 16th. It was April 10th, 2019. Oh, okay. The Moolah I, one maybe made, they were, aired in maybe May. Maybe they were recorded. Maybe they were recorded earlier because some people oh, were definitely. talking about like, Yeah. Yeah. People were talking about, oh, it's 2017. And I was like, okay, so maybe they just took a break between Oh, seasons. no, 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 yeah. It was just, I think, okay. a lot of time shooting. But, um... Uh, so what would you give the the first episode out of out of oh out of five yeah uh i I would probably say like that's a solid four and a half okay uh i just kind of want to go through every episode if you don't mind sure yeah sure um uh, the second one being the montreal screw job a in my opinion a horse that's been beaten to death and then beaten again and then beaten again I I, right. I I really felt like this was in there because it was a Montreal screw job, you know? If you don't know about it, it's going to be interesting to non-wrestling fans. But I think if anyone who's been a long-time wrestling fan knows the story, probably has seen Wrestling with Shadows or heard podcasts, 
Yeah, we've seen it done numerous times since then in the WWE as a finish now. Right. Um, what, what did but you like, think? I agree, like, it's like a horse that's been beaten to death, but at the same time, like, um, a lot of those same, like, a lot of those things that you mentioned, like Wrestling with Shadows, um, the various podcasts that discuss it, that sort of thing, they all have, like, a perspective. Like, they all either take Brett's side or Vince's side or Sean's side or whoever. And, again, I appreciated the fact that they talked to Bret Hart. They talked to Vince Russo. They talked to Jim Cornette. They talked to Bruce Pritchard. And, like, all these different – oh, and Earl Hebner, too. Like, yeah. I think, I think like, one of the characters that doesn't get mentioned a whole lot in that was Earl Hebner. True. Um because Earl for for you know what he is you know he doesn't I don't he doesn't give a whole lot of interviews that I've seen so like his perspective was interesting um so again like they have all these different perspectives and again I think that's what makes you know what I always remember this sorry I don't want to go off on a tangent here yeah so we had a TNA house show in Charlotte back in like 2016 mm-hmm and during intermission, they were selling a Earl Hebner T-shirt, like a referee shirt. But then that on is the damn back, right I did it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, uh, Earl Hebner is not above making some money. So oh, I, 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 I know. But still, I just thought so, it was weird. It is weird, but you know, I think he's just especially like, in a completely oh. different promotion. well yes but it's like it's still it's like oh it's earl hebner like you know when he shows up in AEW. oh here here's earl hebner true so what did you think overall of the the second the second episode i you know i thought it was like a fairly strong episode like i think probably like um but it's a story that we've heard a lot. So, you know, I'd probably give it a three. I think probably the most interesting aspect of it was they basically had Jim Cornette and Vince Russo kind of. Wasn't, a, wasn't a, Meltzer in this episode too? Meltzer wasn't in that episode, I don't believe. I don't think so. Okay. I think he's in I don't uh, remember. the next one. I believe. I, I know he's in a couple he, of these. He might, offhand. He, he was in the Gino Hernandez one, which was episode Four, uh, I think. Uh, episode five. Oh, okay. He was in. He was in that one, and I. Oh, he was also in episode. He was in the one about the Von Erics. Yep. Okay. But uh, what would you give that second episode? Like I like, like I said, probably about a three. Nice. Um, because it's it's good, but it. And, and and like if somebody goes, oh, I'm hearing about the Montreal Screwjob for the first time. Yeah, yeah I'd sit them and and down and watch it. Um, but it's something that I've heard for years at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think the most interesting aspect was they basically had Vince mm-hmm. Russo and Jim Cornette have a mini argument on screen. Uh, yeah. From separate places. Yeah. But I think maybe they should cover that. Oh no shit. <laughs> the anime. The anim the animosity between Jim Cornette and uh, Vince Russo. <laughs> so, uh, episode three is a killing of Bruiser Brody. Uh, probably one of my favorite episodes uh, because I think they did a really good job. It's something that 
I know I certainly had heard bits and pieces from people like Meltzer or, you know, things like that. But uh, they actually had interviews. They explained it. I mean, I, Bruiser, Bruiser Brody, for me, was well before my time being a wrestling fan. Uh, but he is like an insane wrestler who was kind of like hardcore before hardcore was a thing. Yeah, and you know, he he's interesting because he, he doesn't necessarily have a huge legacy in the United States still. Like, there's certain people who kind of, like, um, give off that vibe. Like, I, like Brody Lee was always somebody who I thought kind of invoked Bruiser Brody um, vibes. They, I mean, they have similar names, but, like... Well, they have Physically, a similar look, looks. I mean, the black hair, yeah, they, beard. They're both big, like. But like, yeah. But like in the United States, like we don't necessarily hear about him a whole lot. But no. you, you know, he was humongous in Japan, and he is the direct inspiration for the character that. Oh, what is his name? In the wrestler. No, no, no. He's the direct inspiration for one of the. He's he's. He's a direct inspiration for the character of one of the wrestlers in New Japan. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to look it up. So, um, Bruiser Brody was murdered in uh, the locker room in a shower in Puerto Rico. And it was interesting to hear from people like his wife from uh, Coco was there when it happened. Uh, they had a, quite a few people who were in the, who were, who were there when this happened, um, and it was really interesting to hear like, you know, Bruiser Brody would could turn it off, like you know he'd go home and he said he'd be a normal person and, um, you know he he was a great family man and, and you know this and that and did what he had to do and he was notorious for not sticking around. If he felt he was getting screwed over or wasn't getting his fair shake, he would just quit a promotion or just leave. Um, so, you know, he didn't have a great uh, track record when it came to, um, you know, being loyal by any means. But, um, yeah, they, they, they go over who Brody, Brody was, you know, his kind of history. And then the incident where he was stabbed in a... In a in the shower area. And it took so long for the ambulance to get there. He got to the hospital and eventually he ended up passing away. Um, uh, the the person who I was looking up is uh, Togi Makabe. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Togi is, is very much a big fan of Bruiser Brody. And, and so, like, his finishing maneuver is to this day Sorry. King Kong. Uh, oh, go ahead is the King Kong knee drop. And that was Bruiser Brody's finisher. Um, Stuff like that. What's crazy is they had Jose Gonzalez on the, in, in, in the episode. See, this is the one I haven't seen. So I want to, I, this is the one I want to watch. <laughs> So yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. It was great. Um, 
just uh, that was my probably my favorite episode out of all of them to be honest because I didn't know a lot um, about Bruiser Brody or also known as Frank Goodish and you know I, I didn't know the history I didn't know the story I didn't realize like you know hey you get to see this stuff like it was crazy you know you get to hear from people who were actually there when it happened um You know, it, it's just, it's, it was interesting. I gave that a, probably a four. Mm. So, and what's sad too is, uh, they actually made an angle out of it after the fact. And they go into why the, but there was no, they go into everything. The stabbing, his passing, um, the investigation, the fuckery with the, with the, Summons to to appear in court, where uh, 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 I think it was Coco Beware. It said that I, I thought it was Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas, there. thank you. Yeah, I can remember for life. Me, yes, Tony Atlas. You were correct. Uh, Tony Atlas says I, I got my summons like three days after the freaking ruling. Mm. You know, shit like that. So definitely a very good watch. Uh, episode five of six. Uh, the next one is... Is, is four, so that would be the Von Erichs, right? Yes, yep, the Von Erichs. Another really good one, because they basically have an entire sit-down interview with the remaining Von Erich. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin, yeah. And uh, that was yeah, another I good mean, one. And I, I, had, yeah. I had seen the WWE uh, Triumph and Tragedy of WCCW. Mm-hmm. And it goes really into a little, you know, into that whole stuff because it, it has to. But right. this delves so deep into just everything with the Gun Erics, like that whole family. Holy shit! Like God, like you talk about um, a black cloud that covers a, a family and they can't escape it. It's just like. Good Lord. So if you're not familiar, the Von Erichs, um, their father was a guy named Fritz Von Erich. I, that's, that wasn't his real name, but that's the name he went by, um, even to the day that he died, was Fritz, Fritz Von Erich. And he was a, um, a heelish wrestler in the, like, in the old territory days, like in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And he played a Nazi like that because he's like, what's the best villains that have ever been around the Nazis? So uh, he did that for several years. And then when he was retired, he started up a promotion called World Championship, uh, World Class Championship Wrestling, yep. WCCW. Um, and his sons, he had a whole bunch of kids and his eldest three sons were his biggest stars. So there was, uh, David, Carrie and Kevin, um, and they were really good wrestlers. Uh, they were talking about how like David Von Erich was going to become the world heavyweight champion for the NWA, which at the time was like a big deal. Like Ric Flair would go around with Ric Flair was the champion and he was going around to all the different territories, having matches with the top stars. And David was going to be one of those people. And, uh, he died on a trip to all Japan pro wrestling. Um, he was in his hotel room and he, he died. And 
ever since then, that family has just had this dark cloud that seems to have fallen around them. All of the brothers and the father took it very hard. Like they don't really mention it, but like Kevin was like a, a high flying wrestler and stuff like that. And he yep. pretty much was done afterwards. Like, the way he talks about it is that he like after after David passed away, like his wrestling career was pretty much over. Like, I mean, he he's had matches like he's had matches as recently as like four years ago. But like the major part of his career was done at, and Carrie, uh, his younger brother, became the the big star of the territory. Um, and people may know Kerry Von Erich because he was in the WWF as the Texas Tornado. He's a former Intercontinental Champion, former NWA World Champion. Um, but Kerry couldn't keep it together either. Um, and he was doing a lot of drugs. He was doing drinking a whole lot, crashed his motorcycle, lost his foot, uh, continued to wrestle afterwards, died shortly thereafterwards as well. Uh, the younger two, uh, one committed suicide, another one died of something else, and then Fritz died of brain cancer. Like, whole, <laughs> like there's this talk about tragedy following a family. Like it's it's crazy, and like Kevin uh, has been fundamentally changed by it. Like he, he has this dull affect about him all the time when he's talking he's just like he seems numb a lot of the time like not to say that he's not like uh like they show him like uh with his with his sons and not to say that he's like a not caring father or anything like that but like when he's in front of the camera and stuff like that he just has this dull um affect and it's kind of funny because that we're talking about the von erics because our our next wrestlemania episode as of this recording is going to be WrestleMania 25. Um, and the Von Erics actually get inducted into the Hall of Fame at WrestleMania 25. Yep. Because they're from Texas. And I remember watching the, the Hall of Fame ceremony and Kevin had like this big smile on his face during it, but his voice is exactly the same, the same kind of dull, not super happy sort of deal. Even Even though outwardly he looks very, very much happy about what's going on so what did you think of the episode i thought it was great um i i really enjoyed that uh episode a lot uh because again it's like a story that you hear a lot like a lot of people have opinions about it but having it all right there is really nice and it's I just not thought it was really, really tough. Yeah, that is true. There's no, there's no uh, spin. It's directly from the source. Yeah. Right, and 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 that's the and that's the thing because if you get a, a documentary released by the WWE, they're going to put their WWE spin on it. So like, Carrie Von Erich, like I don't, I haven't seen the one that you were talking about, but I bet it's like, oh, Carrie Von Erich was just like this regional performer, and then we made him the Texas Tornado, and he was Intercontinental Champion, and all this other stuff. Um, cause they have to make them themselves out to be the best thing that has ever happened to wrestling. Yeah. I, I thought it was a really tough episode to watch though. Just listening to yeah. all the tragedies and 
how it happened was really tough to get through. I mean, yes, but I mean, that's the same for a lot of these things. Yes. Yeah. What would you give that episode? Or five? Uh, probably a four. Fair. Final episode is episode six. And they go through... Well, we didn't talk about Gino Hernandez. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. The final episode, or the fifth episode, is on Gino Hernandez. Another episode where I was like, didn't know a lot. I knew a little bit. But again, like, Gino Hernandez was before my time. Well, Gino Hernandez was another WCW guy. Like, again, he, he never really made it outside of that. I mean, WCCW was a big promotion. Like, let's not lie mm-hmm. about it. But, like, um, the the story that's been painted about it since then is that it was just this regional Texas promotion. And, you know, so a lot of the major players, unless they went somewhere else that was more national, we don't necessarily know a whole lot about. Yeah. So tell us about Gino Hernandez and what that episode is about. Uh, well, the episode is about the murder of Gino Hernandez and, you know, um, what happened to him. Or I should say the death of Gino Hernandez. Because like, that was kind of what the episode was about. Was he murdered? Did he just die of a cocaine overdose? Um, what was going on? Uh, Gino was this um, character like his character was like kind of a like a gorgeous George Ric Flair sort of guy like he was like he was gorgeous Gino like he was a pretty boy he flaunted his wealth that sort of thing and and the thing about uh wrestling in in the 80s and 70s and 80s was that a lot of the guys lived their gimmicks and so Gino did live his gimmick so he was taking so you know the big designer drug at the time was cocaine he was doing a lot of that um, and that was affecting him mentally very negatively. He became very paranoid and then he ended up dying and nobody really knew if it was just like an overdose or whether it was a murder. Um, Cause there was a lot of um, weirdness surrounding it. Like there was an, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a character or there was a, there was a guy who like, um, was said to have uh, been owed a lot of money by Gino. And then like uh, he paid for Gino's funeral after he died. And people thought that was weird. And like, there was like uh, thoughts of maybe it was mob connected. Like it was, it was mm-hmm. a, like a mystery story. It yeah. was, it was interesting. Yeah. Breaking news. See if you're shocked. Okay. UFC fighter John Jones has been arrested for suspected DWI. So besides that, besides that, Mm. they found a loaded handgun beneath the seat with a one spent shell in the car. Mm. Man, this guy. And if he gets off, he'll still be be UFC junior heavyweight champion or light heavyweight, whatever the fuck they call it. Because he makes them a lot of money. Yep. Yep. All right. Sorry. That just kind of popped up on my feed. It It's cool. Um, I, I dislike John Jones. Me too. Anyway. Anyway. 
Sorry, get off track. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a good episode, but, like, yeah, it left you, like, still, even today. You're just like, what the fuck was going on? And it seems like nobody has answers. Well, I mean, they gave the mom some, Gino's mom some answers. Like, they, they said that there was really nothing to worry about, and that put her at rest. Um, but, like, still, yeah, there was, a, the way it was presented, there was a lot of questions left unanswered. Um, I thought that this was an interesting one to do um, because it's a story that wasn't necessarily told uh, a whole lot, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know whether or not um, Gino Hernandez was a big enough name necessarily to devote an entire episode to, because again, like, we are fairly large wrestling fans. We watch wrestling from all over the place. Um, and he's a name that you hear pop up from time to time, but it's, it's not like he's a, uh, huge name if, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you get that episode? I thought it was like, I thought it was good. Again, I'd probably give it like a 3.5 or a... Sorry, you cut off there. A 3.5 or... Oh, a 3.5 or a 4. Okay. All right, final episode, May Young. Oh, sorry, the fabulous no, Muya. Fabi- sorry, I get them all mixed yeah. up. No, May Young is is was a, a nice woman, uh, gay icon, more than likely, although she never came out. I was going to say, wait, what? Yeah, okay. Um. Well, okay, so May Young lived exclusively with women her entire life. She never married, that sort of thing, like... She more than likely was a lesbian, but she never came out. Oh. But anyway. Well, good yeah. for her. <laughs> um, no, Fabulous Moolah is, depending on who you ask, either a woman who uh, propelled women's wrestling to the heights that it would eventually become to, or a horrible pimp and um, abuser and user and stealer of money and all these other things. And essentially, um, they did this documentary uh, probably within a year of they um, were going to do the fabulous Mula uh, Memorial Battle Royal. And then people freaked out and they just now have the uh, women's uh, battle Royal at WrestleMania. Um, and I don't know. I, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting documentary because on the one hand you had people uh, who were related to, wrestlers who supposedly had been uh, or allegedly had been abused by Moolah, um, but they weren't around to necessarily tell the story. They just, these were stories that were told uh, over the course of time. And then you had people who, uh, who were still alive, who were trained by Moolah, um, who said none of these rumors are true whatsoever. And if you're saying these things about Mula, you're also talking bad about me. So let's stop doing that. Yeah. It was another one of those. Like you don't get the, you hear from people who were there and said, Hey, this happened. I was pimped out or I was, you know, restrictions were put on me or I had to pay money. You know, I was always under her debt and other people saying, Oh, it was never like that. Lies. Right, and then, 
I th I thought it was also a little mixed because they also had Mula's daughter there, and Mula's yeah. daughter is also an old woman at this point. Um, and it, it's clear from it, it's clear from the way that she talked um, that Mula kept her daughter away from the wrestling industry pretty much entirely. Like um, she just goes, "Oh, my mom was a really great wrestler," and nobody was nobody's ever been better than than she is as a woman wrestler um and and that's basically all she said and she's like yeah, my mom was great and all these other things but like pretty much in the dark about a lot of the wrestling industry side of things yeah and it's interesting too that no one ever talks about the original screw job the spider lady oh yeah and they had wendy richter there too yeah which was interesting um yeah, I mean it was it was interesting that they they did cover the original screw job there and they even showed footage from it. Um and it's interesting that they didn't mention that during the Montreal screw job episode because um I mean they must have had this in the can when they released all the episodes so they could have easily asked people about it in mm -hmm. relation. Um but yeah, no, this episode was it was interesting. Um I thought it was also very timely because it was right around the same time. It was released around the same time that all the controversy around Mula was happening. So um, I thought it was a good episode. Um, I just also feel like some of the, some of the people that they got to talk were like um, on there, not necessarily to talk about the topic so much as to defend themselves. Yeah. What would you give so the episode? I would, I would give it like a three. Yeah, it, it was interesting, but yeah. Um, it was interesting the timing. You know, like you said, it wasn't too far after WrestleMania. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of still a hot topic. Yeah. All right. So overall, season one, it sounded like you liked a lot of the episodes. I liked... I, I liked... Pretty much all of the episodes. I wouldn't say that there were any of them that I would like say don't watch this one. Like they're they're all interesting. I just find that there are certain stories that I liked listening to better than others. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Let's get into season two, episodes one and two, the Crespenois tragedies. Yes. God damn. Oh my god. This was hard god. to watch. Alright, so were you watching wrestling at this time? Okay, so was I watching wrestling in 2007? In June of 2007. Uh, no, I wasn't. I was taking a break from watching wrestling at in 2007, <clears throat> but I specifically remember um, when this happened because um, I had three friends in in high school because i was like 2007 i was probably i was a i was a sophomore in high school when this happened and um i remember they came in and they were just pale and upset and like they were like some of these and these were like big huge guys like uh and they were just like zach chris benoit is dead and i'm like oh 
okay. Um, do we know why? And they said, no, he, he's dead. And, and then the next day they came back and they're like, I was like, so did any news? And they're like, well, I don't want to talk about it. And that was it. <laughs> um, wow. you know, and then, you know, as I was getting back into wrestling around 2010, I went back and I watched things and I, you know, really, uh, discovered the, the, um, the story behind what was going on and um but it was also in 2010 it was also the age of the like edgelord um comedy memes of like oh it's i'm gonna throw up this picture of chris benoit hanging himself and it's going to be really funny you know that sort of thing yeah so i was 22 i was three it was three days before my 23rd birthday and I don't remember why I remember this, but I had just started dating my wife maybe a couple months before. And we went out to eat. I found out what happened, like something had happened. And then we went out to eat. And I, st- I don't remember what we had, but I remember parts of the thing, of the conversations we were having and just the general meal, but I remember just wanting to get home to know what the fuck happened. Cause this is before iPhones, you know? So, yeah. and I remember Eddie Guerrero. Cause I was actually thinking about going to that show that night and I didn't cause it was in Minneapolis and I was living in Minneapolis at the time. And it took me a long time to get over Eddie Guerrero because it's like, it came out of nowhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I love Chris Benoit as a wrestler. Always like to play him on the, the Raw versus SmackDown games, the SmackDown games. Um, I always like to do the Juman suplex. I always, I always liked him. I'd watched him since he was in WCW. Because uh, I used to love WCW before I got to WWF in '98, I was a huge WCW fan. Like I had to get converted to be being from being a WCW loyalist to WWF. So um, I knew you know being in the Four Horsemen, all that stuff. And yeah, I just remember like hearing that something had happened. His entire family was gone. And then I was like anxiously waiting for Raw to start. Like, what are they going to do? How is this going to handle? And I remember that night that they played a, basically they played his entire DVD. And uh, then everything just kind of came out. And I remember watching ECW the next night. And Vince McMahon coming up and saying, you know, we're not going to mention Chris Benoit any longer. And then it was just the media storm after that. Just the fucking media. Just everything. Fucking CM Punk was brought in to, like, defend the WWE. Like, anybody, you know? And then you had fuckers, like, old-timers, like, Hell yeah, we all did steroids and blah, blah, blah. And I always remember Nancy Grace just being so fucking terrible. Fuck. Oh, yeah, no, I remember um, when I was first uh, getting back into this and... And... 
going back and learning about everything that happened during my break period, pretty much. And I went and I watched a YouTube clip of Nan- of Nancy Grace, and they had DDP on of all people, and like DDP at the time, like he he wasn't wrestling, he wasn't yoga man yet or anything like that. And you know he was he was essentially you know he was on there and he was talking about uh, steroid use a little bit, but he was also like you know he was he I wouldn't say that he was defending Chris Benoit necessarily, but he was ne- he was saying like. You know, a lot of people, what they were saying was, look, this is too goddamn soon. The media just wanted to come out and be like, oh, Royd Rage. Oh, yeah, stupid jacked up wrestler. Royd Rage. Yeah, that's it. And then move on. And they wanted people to say that to credence, you know, to make credence of, oh, what we're saying is true. And in reality, people like GDP were saying like, look, I fucking knew this guy. This isn't like him. I can't right. imagine what's going on. We don't have the facts. This only happened days ago. We don't know what's well, going on. You shouldn't jump to conclusion. Yeah. Right. But, you know, like, at the same time, like, you don't go on Nancy Grace. No, um, expecting to get anything. At, right, because she's just going to talk over you because that's what she does. But the the documentary itself was was fascinating because... Um, essentially they had the, the people that they got were Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, um, Vicky Guerrero, Chavo, um, David Benoit, Nancy, uh, David Benoit and, and, um, Nancy's sister, Sandra. Yeah. Nancy's sister, Sandra. And, and did you mention Jim Ross? Oh, and Jim Ross, um, so it was essentially the AEW crew plus uh, people, uh, the surviving members of, of both families. And I just thought that that was probably the, the, the best group of people to talk about this. Because um, if you read Chris Jericho's third book, um, Best in the World at What I Don't Know What or whatever it's called. I thought it was um, called No is a four-letter word. No, I think that's his fourth book. Oh, okay. Um, or his fifth book or something. He's written a lot of them. Oh, no, no. You know what? It It's his second book, is, um, which was Undisputed or something like that. Oh, okay. I have the one where he's on the cover where it's, I don't know, whatever. It's a red one. The red yeah, jacket. yeah. That's the one I'm talking about. Oh. Yeah. I so that one. I remember this. I read the in, damn book. In that, in that book, he talks about Chris Benoit. And, and, like, at the time, I was shocked because he was still under contract with WWE. And I was like, and he's just like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to talk about the best friend I ever had in wrestling. Um, and I'm not going to be silenced by anybody. And I was like, all right, well, good for you, man. Um, but, like, um, Chris... Chris Jericho like basically like grounds this whole um, series where he's just inputting things about like yeah he's a narrator who, he's the narrator but he's also like every time they bring up a new subject the first person they go to for the most part is Chris Jericho yeah like he's just, he's just like all right so this is Chris Benoit in his in his early 
career and then they go and talk to like Dean Malenko who worked alongside him a lot and stuff like that. And so the first episode pretty much is just about the Benoit, his, his career and his relationship with Eddie. And I think it was good that they started there because we all know how this story ends. Yes. But what we don't really know because of the way that the media and a lot of um, even like wrestling fan podcasts do uh, the way they go about it is we don't know how it got there. Well, that so, I mean, we had the perfect people though, who were there to tell right. us. I think a lot of it too, is we knew things about, you know, Hey, he took Eddie's death extremely hard. We learned new things that like took the things that we thought we knew and amped it up even more. Like, so I'll let you talk here and I'll add in where need be. Yeah. Like, um, so they talk, so the first episode mostly focuses on, uh, on Eddie. Chris's, Chris and Eddie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and their, and their early careers. And then it talks about how, you know, Eddie, uh, for a large portion, they focus on Eddie and how he was struggling with drugs and he was hurting all the time. I like the fact they started in new, they started in new Japan and the story that was told was Chris would call me up and bitch and moan how he fucking hated Eddie Guerrero or how Eddie, how Eddie Guerrero hated Chris Benoit. And he'd be like, this motherfucker, uh, you know, he, he, he hurt he's me. Too he's too snug. Yeah. And then they became like the best of friends. And then right. a really interesting story by Jericho. They were telling, he was telling about a match they had in Japan where like Jericho uh, missed a spin kick by like quite a bit. And, you know, and Jericho wrote it off as, you know, hey, shit happens. You know, we're not on TV. You know, whatever. A blown spot's a blown spot. Not that big of a deal. He found Crispin Wan in the back doing Hindu squats. And he goes, He has to to do 500. Yeah, and he goes, what are you you doing? He goes, I got to punish myself. I I screwed up. We missed missed up a spot. And and Jericho's confused, saying like, why? Who, who told you to do this? He goes, oh, well, I did. I got to punish myself. And that's just to me like, wow. Like, we knew yeah. he cared, but like, holy cow. Right. I actually heard that story before, um, actually from Chris Jericho, because it's in his, uh, it's in his first book. Oh, okay. Uh, that, yeah, the lion, the lion's tale. That's in his first book. He mentions he mentions that particular um, event happening, and you know it's just like wow. But but if you look at the person that Chris Benoit idolizes more than anybody else, it was the Dynamite Kid. Yes, and, Tom Billington. And, yeah, who's a, piece a of legendary shit. asshole. Yeah, um, I'm I'm actually curious as what whether what the next episode is going to be and whether it's going to be about the. No, it is the life and crimes of New Jack, and they just released a trailer for it six hours ago. Oh, okay. Well, New Jack is going to be interesting. Yes, he's also a piece of shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, but um, allegedly. 
No, not allegedly. <laughs> no, he, he's an asshole, uh, Matt. And and I only say that, like, I know that he, he's alleged. To, he has alleged to do a whole bunch of things. I say that because of the mass transit incident. Um, they actually are going to have an episode about that later yeah. in the season. Yeah. Um, but Dynamite Kid was one of those people who had to be perfect. He was like. In every in every match, and if you, if you watch some of his matches with like Tiger Mask and things like that, you can see, um, you can see shades of Chris what would become Chris Benoit's style in there, um, most definitely. And so, like, I bet if uh, you know, he's like, oh, well, the Dynamite Kid never like sold a move that missed like that, so I can't I can't do that. Um, but yeah, no, I just I. You know, they started in New Japan. They went to, uh, they talked a little bit about ECW, and then they spent a good majority of the time of this episode talking about WCW. Um, and then after WCW and the uh, basically the creation of the Nancy Benoit relationship, because that's where it started. It started as a storyline um, where Kevin Sullivan, who was married to um, Nancy at the time, basically wrote himself into a like love triangle story with him, uh, Benoit and Nancy. And then Nancy ended up leaving Kevin um, for Chris because Kevin was, uh, was allegedly uh, a bit abusive. And I say allegedly because uh, there wasn't any police reports or anything along those lines. We just have the words of the people who were there. Um, And so after they basically set up that relationship, the documentary shifts focus and talks a lot about Eddie Guerrero and his trouble with drugs, his trouble, um, his uh, ouster of the uh, from the WWE, and then him working his way back through the Indies, and then him ultimately um, coming back and winning the World <laughs> Championship and the WrestleMania 20 story, which we covered in an earlier episode. And then it talks about how shortly thereafterwards, like within a year and a half, Eddie's dead. Um, and how... Oh, man, that was hard. It was It was so hard because, like, uh, they have Chavo Guerrero there. Chavo is Eddie's nephew. And Chavo held Eddie in his arms as Eddie died and like that's just so heartbreaking to hear and then they they show the clip of chris at the eddie tribute show just bawling his eyes out and you could just, like it's grainy footage because for whatever reason but you just see the emotion and i i when i was watching that combined with what chavo had just said i was bawling my eyes out i had to pause the episode yeah, it was really, really tough, and it just brought me back to 2005 because I remember that day getting up, logging onto the internet, checking out. I always, I've always gone to LordsOfPain.net for 24 years now, and uh, I remember just sitting there being like, "No, we just saw Eddie on SmackDown against Ken Kennedy." 
Like we just saw Eddie. Like, no, he he can't be dead. Mm-hmm. And just taking a long time to get over that, and it just kind of brought me back to like, fuck, you know. Now that I've gotten older, I've had family members pass away, and it can just happen, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and I just wonder, like, if he wasn't brushing his teeth or something, something. Like, I wonder, like, because I even said Eddie hadn't passed quite yet and it's like I wonder if you always wonder you know like if they if the wake up because they said they wasn't uh, it's like 7 a.m. the the, the wake up call is at 5 a.m. right would they have gone up there at 5.30 or at 6 what would have happened yeah yeah, you know like but yeah it makes you think as all yeah, I mean, you can do those what if thinking things all you want, but like there's certain like procedures and stuff like hotels have to follow. Oh, no, I, I I get it. It's just a matter of. Yeah, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just just it makes you think like I had no idea. Like I always thought like, oh, they found him and he was already deceased. Right, right. Well, because that's kind of like the story that's always been told. But like Chavo, like for what it's worth, you know, like he doesn't like he does quite a few interviews, but nobody ever asks him about Eddie's death or anything like that. I mean, honestly, like, if I were him, I would say that's a completely hundred percent off limits. Do not talk to me about it. Do not ask right. me about it. Even all these years later, it's like, I have a feeling it's all he did. If you talk to Dave interviews, that's all he would talk about. Probably. And I wouldn't um, want to do that. Right. No, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Either, but it's, it, you know, like, I guess, like, from an outsider's perspective, it is strange to know how connected Chavo Guerrero is to both of these deaths. Yeah. Because in in the story of wrestling, it's not any, not to say anything bad about Chavo, but, like, he's, he's, like, he's not considered one of the greats. Like, he's always considered to be, like, he was okay, but like nothing special, or like, you know, or like, like a, or like a, a pale imitation of his uncle, which is yeah. a, which is unfair to him. But like, because he didn't have the, he didn't have like he was always going to be compared to his uncle by the time that he was um, brought up. Whereas like his father and his other uncles, they had regional places that they could go and be separated from their big star brother if they wanted to work or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the first episode basically ends with the death of Eddie. And then the second episode starts with how that affected Chris. And Oh my God. Again, it's just so heartbreaking because it's just like, you know, like, uh, Vicky talks about how Nancy and Chris spent basically a month at her house after Eddie died and like the, helping her out and stuff like that. And when Chris wasn't on the road, he would he would literally like lay down and hug Eddie's pillow on. That on... was the hardest story of. Yeah, he, he would. Uh, uh, Eddie's wife. Would find would yeah, find yeah, Chris yeah, yeah. crying. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's great that they 
both went to try to help Vicky out Mm -hmm. in her time of need, but Chris should not have been there because like everything that was in that house reminded him of, of Eddie. Yeah. And so, or the him finding him in the gym crying. Right. But may, and this is just an outsider's perspective, obviously like we had no clue. We weren't there, but part of me wonders like, you clearly see this person hurting. Why isn't there getting any, I mean, maybe there was, you know, but you would think like they'd be getting some professional help for him or something. Like I, I completely get it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I have been fortunate enough not to lose anybody of that stature in my life yet. And I hope I never do. Uh, I know someday I will, but you know, like uh, Chris Jericho said at the funeral of Eddie Guerrero, he cried so much on his shoulder that the tears went through his jacket, through his shirt, and was on his skin. And that he right. gave him a hug, like the most desperate hug that he's ever received from anybody, ever. Like, to me, you could tell, like, you would think you'd say like this guy is breaking down. This is like, there's levels of emotion, and then there's above that, you know. There's a normal level of emotion when, you know, a best friend or a parent or someone of that passes away. Don't get me wrong, like, but you would think a month on, two months on, like th- later in the episode they say that you know we gave him a diary so he could write to Eddie, like. To me, I'm thinking to myself, okay, great. You're giving him an outlet. Why the fuck is this guy in therapy? He clearly needs help. Well, but that's the thing, though. There's so much stigma around uh, getting help or getting help from depression or any sort of mental illness and stuff like that, that people just don't do it. And, you know, I think that... And don't if... you know, It's easy to say, like, not being in the situation being an outsider looking in right no it's totally easy to go well if he hadn't gotten therapy would this have happened you know the answer is who knows you know we don't know we don't know maybe not but like you know the other so i guess we should move on from yeah yeah so essentially yeah so essentially um you know, Chris is struggling and struggling and struggling to deal with the death of Eddie Guerrero. Um, there's now domestic violence in the relationship between Nancy Benoit and uh, Chris Benoit. They actually show text messages saying, you know, Nancy wants him to get out of wrestling. She's sick of the up and down mood swings from all the the the. The, the stuff he was on, the, ster- the steroids, yeah, the steroids yeah. and, you know, finally something snapped. Um, I was, I always thought like, cause we always hear about his brain. He had the brain of a 78 year old man or whatever it was. Right. But then they started showing police photos of the file of the crime scene. Mm-mm. Hey, I thought it was really cute. He had a 
He had a, uh, did you notice one of the file photos was of a bunch of pictures in a photo frame of like six different, six, eight different pictures. And one of them was him and Eddie coming out on SmackDown together. Like they'd taken a screen grab because they had like the nameplate and everything. Mm-hmm. But then they show a photo of under Dan- uh, Daniel's bed and there's a big ass kitchen knife. Right. I went, holy fuck. I had no clue. I always thought he just went nuts and just did these things. But they talk about the computer searches, uh, about the quickest way to break your own neck and, uh, stop, you know, just. You, right. There was some, there was there definitely was some, some premeditation there. I think probably one of the, the, the best parts of, of this whole documentary was when they uh, introduced Chris Nowinski. Yes. Because Chris Nowinski is a former wrestler, and now he is a um, PhD who only does things to do with CTE and concussions. He runs like a concussion institute. Yes. And and, and the thing was, like, he, he did say that Chris Benoit's brain was severely damaged. He didn't say that it was like the brain of a 78-year-old or anything like that. What he, what he said was there was significant damage present there and certain proteins that were found in there that cause permanent brain damage. And when you have permanent brain damage, the way that Chris Benoit did your, um, your personality changes and it can get worse when a trauma traumatic event happens. And so that gave context in a way for this, tragedy that nothing else has like it's not only a focus on steroids it's not only a focus on uh you know the chair shots and things like that it's it basically was like these are all these factors put together that's what caused this well, they're not saying it caused and, it, but it, it it played roles. Well, or con- or contributed yes. to it, right? Um, I thought the story was really interesting. I think I I forget who told who said it, but Tully Blanchard invented the headbutt. It, it, Harley Race. Oh, sorry, Harley, Harley Race. Race invented the headbutt, yeah. and then went around and said, "Don't do this move. It's gonna screw up your spine." And Tom Billington said, hey, I'll do that move. And then now he's in a wheelchair. And he told Chris Benoit, don't do that move. And Chris Benoit went and did it. And then now, look what happened. I just thought that was a really interesting story. I also thought the interesting story about Chris Jericho saying how they used to take chair shots. Mm -hmm. You just tense up, grit your teeth, and... Yeah, I thought that I thought that was interesting too. Uh, the the person who ended up saying the story about uh, Harley Race and then Dynamite Kid and the, uh, with the headbutt was a was a author who wrote a story. Oh, that's right. About uh, the Chris Benoit thing, and and he had an interesting perspective. But I also thought that his his perspective was pretty close minded because he was he was basically like, no, it was steroids. Like that was his that was his preconceived notion of it It was like a combination steroids and then and concussions um with no factors 
after that necessarily he's like um because he was like no it was, it's ridiculous to say that uh steroids didn't have an, an effect on it because chris benoit had 10 times the normal amount of testosterone in, in the body so clearly he was taking something like you know like so you know there was some roid rage sort of things in yeah. there like mm-hmm. um you know I, I i just thought like for um for fans of wrestling chris benoit has always been kind of a really uh, sensitive topic because you don't want to praise him um as as a person for what he did and but and it's hard for some people to separate him as a performer and him as a person yes because all we see all we see of him is a performer is is the performer so then when somebody says oh well chris benoit did these things and it's like okay so it must be the performer who's doing it um i think this documentary really helped well if 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 more people if if enough people see it i think it will help people see that there were two very different sides of this person and maybe then people can enjoy his performances again in a way that people have been afraid to do so in a long time yeah because he left a lot he left a legacy of amazing work his matches were amazing now the one thing we didn't talk about i want to bring up is david and sandra david benoit being his eldest son from a previous marriage um and sandra being the sister of nancy now Mm -hmm. I never saw, if I saw some of Nancy's work as a woman, I sure as heck don't remember it. I probably saw it in 95 when Nitro was starting and things like that. But I don't she remember was, it. She, yeah, she was, she was, she was working with like Ric Flair and stuff like that at the time. Like she had a big storyline with, um, like, uh, I think it was Elizabeth and, and, rick and her all like doing things together and then there was the uh benoit story yeah directly after that so but you know they were very complimentary of her even chris jericho saying like i want and it was you know it was, I'll, I'll hold off and bring that whole point up david benoit and sandra brought in a lot of humanization that we had no clue like we always like you said we always think of this whole tragedy of Chris, not Daniel, not Nancy, but what Chris did. Right. And it was just heartbreaking to hear this kid, uh, you know, say, like, look, you know, there's a picture of him and Daniel where Daniel's holding onto his shirt as they're walking was just a a very touching very touching picture and just hearing him say like my dad's my hero he's my dad like you know like and all the bullshit he's gone through um you know i thought it was really great that they got him and i now have a more appreciation for what he went through because i you know i don't think about that sort of stuff i don't think of the lingering family members that have to go around dealing with the stuff Right, and and the thing, and the, and the real tragedy of uh, uh, 
Uh, well, the uh, real uh, the real tragedy in any crime, especially murder, is the victims that are left after the fact and the stuff that they have to go through and deal with because of the actions of somebody else. Right. And and it's also like he can't his dream his dream has always been to be what his dad was, which was which is a wrestler. And he wants and he wants nothing more in his life than to, you know, live his life like a normal person as much as he can, but also to to follow that dream and and he really wants to have that legacy of, you know, this was my dad, this is me, I want to do those things and he he can't because a lot of people view it as well view it as like bad taste Mm -hmm. like i remember a a couple of years ago um there were stories that he wanted to wrestle as chris benoit jr um and there were a lot of and then there were a lot of people who were saying like oh you know like this kid is like mentally ill he needs to stop doing these sorts of things and it's like no he's 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 a person who has gone through something that hopefully we never have to go through and he he's hurting and he wants to find a way to express him and to express his his love for his dad and 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 this is the only way that he feels that he can because that's you know wrestling was such a big part of his of of his life prior to his dad, you know, passing away and people just don't want to do anything. don't want to have anything to do with it because it makes them. And it's just, it's really sad. And, and Sandra was, you know, like also like her, her story is, is really sad too, because she's like, I tried to reach out to, you know, my nephew and, I was told that he wanted he wanted nothing to do with it. yeah and and it's like well who is saying that sort of thing like was it like his mom was it like Chris's parents like what was going on it was just it was really sad yeah yeah but it, I I feel like this this documentary is like a must watch it's like a five out of five. I I agree. Um, just it was a lot of new stuff that I had no clue about, and it was wow. It was really hard to watch, but you learn so much. You learn so much because so many people there. Just you know, bring up, bring it all in. You know, it it was amazing. Yeah. But I'd be interested watch in, it. in yeah, definitely watch it. Yeah, I'd be interested in hearing what people have to say about it. Um Remuvania at gmail.com. But I would I also, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what the what the rest of the series bring. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh so you want to go over what's being what's next? So next episode is on New Jack, called The Life and Crimes of New Jack. And these are all narrated by Chris Jericho now. Oh yeah, we should mention that the first season was narrated by Dutch Mantel. Yep, Dutch Mantel did some. McFoley. It was interesting. 
It was definitely interesting. Um, uh, let's see here. Next up, we have the WWF Brawl for All, which I'm really interested in hearing. I've heard all about it. I went back and watched it a couple years ago. I mean, we I know the stories of people getting hurt and this and that, but I'm interested to see what they do. How do you make that into a hour long? You you get Vince Russo to talk. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, probably, probably, or Jim Cornette, or both of them, and then have them duke it out on stage. Yep. Um. Next up, we have Jimmy Snuka and the death of Nancy Angentino. Argentino. Uh, then we got the assassination of Dino Bravo, which is another weird one where he was selling cigarettes or something. Next up, we have David Schultz. I had to look into this and went, oh, yeah. It's the wrestler from the Foxcatcher Farms. So I'm curious why they chose this. I'm assuming it has to be because it has to do with Kurt Angle. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure. Because David Schultz was the uh, one of the Olympic wrestlers. This is an Olympic wrestling. Yeah, didn't they make a movie out of this? They, they did, a, yes. Yeah. A couple years ago called Foxcatcher. I think it's also a book. I remember selling a lot of books called Foxcatcher when I was working at Barnes & Noble. Gotcha. And then we've got one on Herb Abrams, which I think is, Herb a, Abrams. is a pedophile one, right? No, no. Herb Abrams is is in, is an interesting dude um, because he ran this um, promotion called uh, the UWF, and the UWF was a um, promotion based out of California, and it was it had like um, Bruno Sammartino and Mick Foley and. Um, Steve Williams and like a whole bunch of a whole bunch of people. Um, but Herb Abrams himself was like such a weird character because um, he was like all coked up all the time. And he tried to do all sorts of like different um, like promotional tactics and things like that. He was the first like um, general manager owner of a company to uh, make himself an on-screen character like years before Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon did like, Oh, he's an interesting dude. Yeah. Okay. So that should be interesting here. I thought that was about the pedophile scandal. I don't believe so. I don't know who I'm thinking of then. Then we have the Owen Hart, uh, related to over the edge in 1999. I'm really interested in seeing that one Mm -hmm. because I'm curious what, if anything new they can shed or share. Yeah. Uh, now that we have Jim Ross outside of a WWE contract, but on the other hand, I feel he's probably said everything he ever wants to say on this subject, and has probably, probably been very, very truthful. But I mean, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's not like, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's another one I'll, I'll never forget where I was. I just remember we didn't get the pay per view that night, and I was going to bed, and. Cause we used to get the pay per view every mo- every the next day on tape, from my uh, from a friend, they record it for us. I remember I was gonna go to bed, and I was listening to the news on the radio, and they said WWF professional wrestler Owen Hart died in the ring. That's tonight's pay per view, and I went running out, 
And I was like, oh, my God. Owen Hart died. Oh, my God. And just not knowing what happened. And, you know, I remember going on the Internet the next day, like, trying to figure out what happened. And, like, I still remember watching that pay-per-view live. Just, whew. that Or not live, but, you know, on tape. Just right. hearing it for the first time. And then hearing the story since, like, Mick Foley saying, like, we wrestled with a hole in the side of the ring because, you know, he hit so hard and, yeah, and just the craziness of just, you just think back and go, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, how do you not have trained stunt people on, 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 on retainer, you know, something, but... I'll be interested in seeing that episode. And then the most yeah. curious one, the most curious one of all, the final episode, the Road Warriors. Hmm. Like, I you know about, was it, yeah, Hawk had his demons. Right. And Animal's still with us. He has got a son in the NFL. Seems like a pretty cool dude. Um, sometimes he, he sometimes says some things that make him sound like a really big jerk, but, oh, okay. um, I, I think this probably would be focusing mostly on Hawk. Yeah. And there's a lot, I mean, like, all I remember from Hawk is a stupid storyline they did in 1998 where they had draws and he fell out the top of the Titan Tron. Just yeah, that whole disgusting storyline. Draws would be an interesting one to do a documentary on. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But at the end of the day, the WWF actually came through and helped him, and he's still on their payroll. He's still part of the WWF. He's still, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, he's, he holds no he's ill probably... will. There was nothing wrong. Like he himself, like he said, D'Lo was so upset that what happened. And he had to tell Dilo, like, look, man, like, stuff happens. And that's so good of him. Like, honestly, like, I'm so shocked. Like, you can go from, I used to be a football player. I was a professional wrestler. Uh, it's actually, have you seen the wheelchair he's in? It's huge. Yeah, it's crazy. He has fun with it. He doesn't try to let him get it down. Right, right. And that's a great attitude to have. He's not, woe is me. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, that's going to be an interesting episode. Cause I don't know how often, like, uh, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, you know. I, I think I you're right. We'll, yeah, I think that it would probably be focusing on Hawk and maybe what happened afterwards, although said about Heidenreich, the better. Oh, God, um, I don't think they'll say anything about Heidenreich. <laughs> I hope not, but we'll see. Um, But, yeah, so that's our episode for this time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you want to keep reviewing these or? Yeah, I mean, might as we, well. We can't. Yeah, might as well. All right. Maybe we maybe we could uh, do a season two wrap up after they have all come out. Or that we'll see. All right. Yeah. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Reviewomania dot com. There you'll find all our past episodes, our bonus content. Our WrestleMania reviews, our first and only three episodes of AEW we reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> it's even got its own column on the website, and it'll probably never get updated again. 
We'll see. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. I would love to hear your feedback. Reviewmania at gmail.com or reviewmania at podcast at gmail.com. Both those uh, addresses will get to us. I would love to hear your feedback on what you think of Dark Side of the Ring. What do you think of the current episodes? And what would you like to see for future episodes? Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care.